0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a long-overdue podcast, Conversations with Tara. And Ryan.
1: (laughs) Conversations with... That's how
0: long it's been. That's how long it's been. Conversations with Tara and Ryan. And I'm not even going to start over. We're just going to roll with it. And our guest today is Amy Miller of Our Family Encounter. And uh, she's a national member from the Twin Cities area. Amy, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Well, thank you, Tara and Ryan. This is a pleasure.
1: Yeah, we're excited to have you on the show. She's been a member for a long time up there in the Minneapolis Twin Cities area. So I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about your work with seniors there. Thank you. I just cut Ryan off, sorry. So
0: No, yeah. I was going to say, when I make a mistake like that, it, it alleviates the pressure because now Amy's like, well, I can't do any worse than what Ryan just did. So so it's all uphill from here. So Amy, this is going to be just smooth sailing with no turbulence. So congratulations and you're welcome.
2: Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, do you want to do your formal introduction of her
0: now? That we- <laughs> that no, no, do. no, no, we won't do that.
1: The C- uh, founder
0: of... Oh, I, 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 our... yes, my apologies. The f- founder of our family, Encounter.
1: Well, welcome, Amy. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your business and, and what your work is with older adults and their families?
2: Absolutely. So I got into this, well, almost four years ago. It was February of 2019. Uh, up in Minnesota, we were having a polar vortex. So we had a little mini uh, shutdown for about a week. And I, um, that Saturday, we're coming out of the super cold and lo and behold, I ended up going to the wrong meeting. So that is how I started my, it's a business um, on end of life planning. So documenting your plan. Uh, What happened when I went to that meeting is I met healthcare providers and what they shared with me were two things that needed to be done. One is a healthcare directive because they were seeing patients coming into the ER and, without someone being able to speak for somebody else on a healthcare matter the hospital has to follow their protocol whether it's in alignment with your wishes or not it's what the what's what the hospital wants and then the second is that they saw more and more people going to doctor appointments alone and i think what we've discovered in the past probably 10 years people have started moving farther and farther away from their family members. We have smoke, you know, the snowbirds we have, um, you know, people are working, they're busy. They're, they're, you know, running their kids to school and appointments and sports and things. And so families have kind of lost that connection that we used to always have where there was always somebody going into the doctor's appointments. Now fast forward that we had, you know, the past two and a half years of just like, People were sitting in parking lots while their loved ones were in that doctor's appointment. Um, so many seniors didn't know how to use uh, video conferencing tools, so they could you know, at least be on the phone in that appointment. But some of these things are the cool things that happened as solutions to counter some of these problems. Uh, so also in the process over the last few years is I wrote a book because I realized that people need to document their wishes. And as I uh, kind of allude to is when you document your wishes, it's not just, okay, this is who gets what, you know, the lamp or the piece of jewelry or, you know, my coin collection. It's actually for your executor and your, or your trustee to close out your estate. So people don't always realize that things don't end, you know, at the funeral, they actually end two years later. Potentially. Um, So it's coming up with a whole plan on how do you age well, especially as you're aging in place. And then how do you pass on a legacy? So it's a it's a very large topic, but one that uh, I think if you have someone coming alongside you as you're considering these issues, that it makes it much more. Well, I don't know if I want to go as far as it's saying enjoyable, but it definitely is not so lonely and so difficult.
1: Is there one specific area where you find people forget to think about with this end-of-life planning and the documentations? Because you've been working with people for several years now. Is there a recurring theme?
2: Uh, the recurring theme is I don't want to do that today. <laughs> <laughs> Any of it at all, huh? Let's not even get started. <laughs> um, but actually, I had an interesting situation that happened about a month or so ago. Is a neighbor of mine? Um, her husband passed away. And she called me the day before the funeral because she noticed that she had somehow been sending out messages on Facebook Messenger that she was asking for money and that she was pestering the family members. And she's like, I didn't do that. I don't get how this happened. Well, one of the things I thought of after we got her set back up and we did the two-factor authentication and everything is her husband had set aside the password. So she had a record of all that really organized. It was beautiful. But then she had to sit down and go, I have to change my own passwords now. I can't hand that off to my husband anymore. A little terrifying. I get it. Um, but it, you know, it was, it was great to see her kind of overcome that challenge, even though she's in, you know, I mean, she's grieving her husband. It was, a, it was she was really concerned about the funeral and the family members coming in the next day. But there was a realization that came across my mind is, why did it happen then? And it occurred to me that when people write their obituary, they put down a lot of information in that obituary that are actually used in the security questions that we answer throughout our lives. So it's like, there's like a connection between all of this. That's where having someone alongside you, so you're not just going through it alone, uh, that you have someone there who can say, okay, first of all, let's get through the challenge today. But then also let's think about maybe we don't put down our, um, the, our elementary school, or we don't maybe list our middle name, or we don't put down our mother's maiden name because those are the common security questions that come up. So it's those nuances that sometimes falls through the cracks that I'm trying to help people address. Yeah, that's
1: fantastic. And that's what the book is for those that are listening. They can't see it, but behind your shoulder, you have a book, Last Life Lesson. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
2: So, and I don't mean to go down the religious path, but I'm going to. Um, there is a scripture that I came across that just describes my business the best I can. And I'm going to paraphrase the scripture. It's uh, from John five nineteen, which says, a son doesn't know what to do unless the father teaches them so the son can do what the father does as well. So that's what I mean by last life lesson. In other words, as you live your life, you are, or even as you're parenting or as you're in your community, you're giving out lessons on things. What, what's important to you? What's of value to you? How do you think we should be living as a community? And when we think of how do we die? How do we live successfully? What What's important to us and how we do that? means that we inherently have, uh, you know, integrity and we have the ability to be empowered to make decisions. The people around us are observing that. And one of the things I think was uh, really tore my heart out over the past few years is knowing that people couldn't have their family members around. They got stuck away in assisted living to keep them protected but meanwhile, that connection was lost. And then when someone did pass away, they couldn't have a funeral until months later. And it it didn't allow people to grieve like we normally grieve. So it's almost like taking a part of the honor of what is aging, what is passing away. And it made it very clinical, if I can use it. I don't know if that's the right word, but very disengaged. And I don't think this process should be about that. So. Um, really getting people to document what is important to them. That's why I called it the last life lesson, because that is your last lesson that you give to others.
1: And it can be something as important as your religious ideas, right? But it could be something like, where's the septic tank located in the yard? So I know when they're gone, how to <laughs> empty it, right? It could be a whole array of things that you that you want to leave behind. So I love that. Absolutely. Is it a three-ring binder that people can add to and put their options
2: in? Yeah, it is. So each chapter, and I cover, I think, uh, nine chapters, um, a lot of them actually are in alignment with the NAIPC's uh, pillars. Perfect. I like to hear that. <laughs> well, you guys are on to something. <laughs> um, you know, so I call them you know, like the four-legged stool, which is the, the financial, the legal, the um, wellness or the care, uh, housing. Um, and then I think one thing that doesn't get covered is the end of life planning, but, um, I also include socialization and legacy. And then I have topics specifically for veterans and for solos, as well as a checklist for executors. So executors know what to do when, and that's, you know, just to go, Oh, you know, we probably should, stop those social media accounts or we probably should um, if you have a passport you probably should cancel that I mean things you maybe don't think about um, but those are just some great steps to know that you can do that
1: and by solo in that sentence you just said you mean solo agers people that are aging alone that might not have family members or loved ones that they can trust you you provide them their own checklist that can walk them through the stages as well right?
2: Right. Well, actually, solo means a lot of people depend on family members to do some of these, you know, care, doctor's appointments. Again, going back to that doctor appointment example, um, even to be your executor. Who do you choose to be your executor? It's like, oh, I'm going to pick my son, my daughter, my niece, my nephew, but those who are aging alone. So solo is defined as someone who, by circumstance or by choice, um, doesn't have any immediate family members around. And it's a fascinating figure that the U.S. census in 2020 um, identified that, you know, I know we're talking seniors, so 65 and plus, but they looked at 55 and plus. And they said that 20% of all people in the U.S., 55 and older, are aging alone as a solo, meaning there's no children, no spouse. That's a fascinating change in our in our community and especially as we talk about aging in place how do we do that successfully so i also delve into a couple other topics when i talk about the forgotten middle we can circle back to that um, but the other one is a family caregiving agreement so with the cost of care and the cost of um, housing is becoming prohibitive actually for a lot of people and especially if you've been aging alone those bills can disappear quick i mean or they compile up quick Um, which means your life savings disappears quick. So how to manage that, how to mitigate that. And that's where, well, I talk about family caregiving agreements. What that means is you pay a family member for your care rather than hiring a third party. You choose the cost or how much you pay them to do that. Um, It's a great way for uh, people to go generationally or even to get the neighborhood kids to come through and maybe mow your lawn or make a quick meal for you or something. Uh, but it allows us to have that generational time. Uh, now, going back to the forgotten middle, you know, I I shared that there's a segment of our society. Typically, I think we'd like to think it's about twenty percent that are um, dependent on the support from the county or the state or Medicaid, right? And then we have about thirty percent have the finances to pay for whatever care, support, guidance, and advice that they need. But somehow, that remaining fifty. It's what I call the forgotten middle, which means they have too much money to get support and they have they don't have enough money to get support. So the guidance oftentimes, and I'm kind of sad to hear say this, is to spend down your money so you can qualify for the for the you know, the states and the county support. Well, that basically means you have to bankrupt yourself. And that's a one, it's a hard reality. Two, is that really the last life lesson we want to be leaving. So I'm trying to come up with a solution that allows people to maintain their income, maintain their, um, their freedoms. I mean, you know, be able to stay safely in their home because that's where they want to live. How can they do that safely with the right team around them? So they're uh, getting, you know, the best life that they, that they always dreamed they could have.
0: And you bring up a very good point And, and we, I do private home care in Boston. So, you know, so we get a lot of calls from people that are looking for just a little bit of care or, you know, want to find out how much it costs. And then it's like, well, we can afford X, but, you know, with the caregiver shortage, you need to you need to get much more than what you can afford because caregivers aren't going to drive out to your house for two hours or three hours of care that's needed. and And the question I get asked weekly is, "Well, what do we do?" And I say, "That's where you need to rely on your community, your family, your friends, and 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 figure something out more locally." Because, uh, but there's no real great answer. Um, because as you explained earlier, more and more often families live further and further apart. And, um, you know, at- as we know, is that, you know, people are moving uh, in, in and out of houses on average every eight years. So you don't have the neighborhood that's been 30 years, 40 years of the same people, the same friends and neighbors like you did 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, so people don't know each other and they don't feel obligated to help each other out as much. And, um, you know, it's it's very strange situation where we're all very likely to be in that scenario one day but while you're still able-bodied and and young you're not really too concerned about it until you're the one that's dealing with that crisis and then by then it's obviously too late so that that point of that 50 percent of the forgotten middle is a really great uh way to to present it almost like the sandwich generation a very catchy easy to remember um phrase to say, hey, listen, there are a lot of people that that don't have uh, have just enough to not qualify for state funds, but but not enough to, uh, to actually pay out of pocket for assisted livings, nursing homes, or private home care.
2: Right. And so what I, I like to put out there, so I'm just going to use the example of let's say Uber Eats or DoorDash, you know, it comes to grocery shopping. So those are like some industries that have sort of popped up. But again, of course, it, it assumes that People are savvy online, which for many of our oldest generation, they want that in-person contact. They want that, you know, someone literally coming in the door and, you know, having that, that they know the person doing the work, not just some stranger. Um, so it's where, okay, I'm going to make an agreement with my neighbor who has a car down the hall, uh, go grocery shopping. I'll pay them $20 to go grocery shopping for their time and for their gas but then they bring, you know, the groceries that, you know, my little grocery list that I'd like to have help with. Likewise, in turn, maybe I can, um, you know, make meals with those, with that food that came in. And so there's that community effort. And like you said, there is a lot of change, but I think people need to be thinking about how can they stay in community? And that, that really is a hard order because what, for the last two and a half years, every winter, we've been shut down again and we you know, are not able to connect and interact. So how can we do that safely and how can we um, make it so people have trusted relationships? And I hate to say it, but it's almost like we have to pay for it. Um, But the thing is, can you pay $20 rather than $50? Can you pay what you can afford rather than maybe what a professional would offer to do that work for you?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And I I would say, um, your 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 ideas bring up other ideas that I have, but um, one of the things that we've seen is that companionship is basically gone by the wayside, because you know what we're seeing because our price points continue to go up, because wages continue to go up, and, and inflation in general is that you're getting more acute needs and less general companionship needs because people aren't willing understandably so not being mean to pay 38, $40 an hour for a caregiver to come in the home for six hours at a time, three times a week. I mean, this is, that's, that's a lot of money to be spending per week on somebody to make you not feel lonely, to make you feel uh part of the community. And, and one of the things that I, I have seen as I've gotten older and it, it blows my mind and living in Boston is, is, uh, relatively good when it comes to walking and public transportation, but it's like the, the the public transportation in this country is so bad and it's so poor and it's so car centric. You would think that that community would be able to be uh, kind of uh, allowed to happen e- much easier for seniors. If you had really great public transportation where you could get on a subway you know, in in a perfect world, if I had a magic wand, every single highway in America would have a subway that dry, or a train that goes right next to it, right? So then all of a sudden, you could have a large senior center that seniors get together with, and um and then they could they could have that community that organization. And I'll end it with this this note uh, from my diatribe here is that I, I spoke with the MIT Age Lab, and they had um. They had some pros and cons come from COVID. The the pro from COVID is that they were forced, and so were seniors forced to learn about Zoom. So when they were doing their studies and their organization, the different um, sub studies where they're looking at certain s- sections of seniors, and they were able to get so many more to come into these studies because there were no geographical bra- boundaries anymore. But for the people that were coming into Boston on a regular basis to interact with the studies half the reason they were doing it was for the social interaction it was something each week or every other week they could get dressed get ready and they looked forward to seeing everybody and now those people no longer have that social interaction and so they're trying to figure out what's the best way to move forward with this these things but it just points out how important that is for individuals to how are we going to keep people connected so that they don't feel lonely and they, they don't decline because of that.
2: Right. And so that's why I think that idea of also generational kids after school, you know, if there was an arrangement that they went to the neighbor's house and did something and they knew they are going to get paid like they would for babysitting, but they would do maybe some lawn work or shovel the driveway or make a, you know, a quick meal for that person. And they get that generational connection Um, I was talking to one of my advisors, his family's from Greece. And he says, that's how they do things in Greece is you go to Yaya's house, which I thought that was, I didn't realize their names were Yaya, but (laughs) um, that's what the teenagers and the the older children would do after they got out of school. So how about doing that instead of having them come home and play video games or, or staying home for the afternoon or going to after school care? So I think there's some things that we could do. We just haven't tapped into. Um, The other thing that also with Zoom, it's great for that social, you know, conversation. Um, And I have what I call a senior social hour that I host every Monday. It's on Eventbrite. I was looking for the link. Um, Might have to send that to Tara after to put out there. Um, But that's a chance again every monday morning it starts out the week i get to connect with um, seniors from all over the country and actually sometimes we get people popping in from the uk and, and canada it's kind of fun um to just you know talk about what's going on in our community and what's you know social you know current events or vacations that people are taking or um have taken uh it's and it's great fun i mean it's just a lot of fun to connect with people everywhere Um, But one thing that's been on the other side of it, which is fascinating to me is, and this comes from a friend of mine that I I call him a friend. I mean, we've been talking for a couple of years now. He indicated to me that he has not touched another person in this entire time. So you got to figure if you've been aging alone in your home and you don't have anyone there with you because there's no more handshaking anymore. Right. There's no more hugging. And to think, my goodness, what does that do to your your overall psyche um, when just physically touching someone else's hand in greeting has not been done for a couple of years? So I think there's some interesting side effects also with how do we stay in communication? Um, and I agree, the video conferencing, the Zooms are are amazing. That's been a you know great benefit to what's happened in the past two years
1: and you also do tech training for for older adults too right there's an app that you like to use for communications
2: well it's it's like zoom it's called blue jeans it's um provided by verizon which um but it it's the same you know it's another video conferencing tool um And as far as training, it's really hard to train when I'm on my side of the phone and you're on your side of the computer (laughs) going, okay, we don't have audio. Try this. No, try that. (laughs) Um, But I think a lot of people, um, they have learned, they've had someone come by, they've gone to the local senior center and they've taken classes to learn how to, you know, get on FaceTime, get on Zooms, get on um, the social media and the. In the video conferencing to stay in touch with people.
1: I had to teach my mom the difference between doing a Facebook post and sending a Facebook messenger message and that posts are for everyone and messages are the private ones. So those are little things that you kind of have to learn along the way. <laughs> so uh, go ahead, Ryan, I saw you on mute.
0: No, I was just going to say that that those are the funny stories that come up with with that type of stuff and mistakes can get made and I do have an off uh, off off recording story for you all with one of those, but probably not good for for public public consumption. it's it's probably a little too personal, but it was pretty funny. So absolutely uh, you certainly see those things happen where somebody's confused and they're they're writing something to the public on Facebook that was meant to be privately done or a Google search or whatever it was and now the world gets to see it. so it, it is the way it is. but you just got to laugh and move on.
2: Yeah, or the, the one I love is when people get up from their desk and they look all nice and professional on top, and then they get up and they're like, oh, no, you're wearing pajama bottoms. <laughs>
1: well, all, I won't be standing up with my camera on right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, Amy, it's been great to have you on. Is there anything that you want to share? Anything that you, know, you want to tell people that people don't know to ask or forget to ask or just that's passionate to you?
2: I think the biggest thing is document your wishes and specifically not to go back to that healthcare directive, but specifically your legal and your financial, which is usually under the power of attorney role. And then uh, for healthcare issues is a healthcare agent or a, you know, an advanced directive role, being able to assign someone to speak for you is extremely important. Um, Now, many people don't want someone in the family to have that decision because it's just too emotional. Um, Consider a third party. And that's something that I'm providing as part of my program for my clients as as I help them is find someone to be able to have you on that. And then literally uh, think about who your executor is, who will close out your estate or your trustee um, and what documents that they need. And if, if that's something that's of interest or would benefit anyone here. My last life lesson uh, book is available on my website at ourfamilyencounter.com. Uh, it's a printed book is 30 uh, and an ebook is 25. Uh, so both are available on the website. You could just order from there. And, and if you do a printed book, I'll get it out to the mail to you right away.
1: Nice, and I also should mention that you are part of an NAIPC publication, the very first one we've ever done, as is Ryan, Aging in Place Conversations, which was actually released yesterday, September 29th, Um, and that's on Amazon.com, so you've got books all over the place, Amy, congratulations, (laughs) (laughs) and then if anyone wants to get a hold of you, is your website the best way to do that, through your website?
2: Yes, yep, so it's OurFamilyEncounter.com.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you, Amy, for joining us today. Thanks, Ryan, for jumping back on with me.
0: <laughs> You're welcome, it. Ryan. And my name is Tara. And thank you so much. No, <laughs> it's been great. Thank you so much, Amy. And uh, it was good to uh, get the band back together. And hopefully we have some more tour dates uh, very soon. Thank you and thank you all so much for listening to uh to me make a mistake on the intro but of course amy and tara uh you know drag me across the finish line and put me on their shoulders so thank you so much amy thank you so much tara and we will catch you on the next one